This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, October 10th, 2018, and my guest is no other than Chris Davies of Slashgear. Hi, Chris. How are you? I am good. Thank you, Miriam. How are you? I am great. Uh, we're both freshly back from New York City, where we attended the Made by Google event yesterday. Definitely and back. I'm not sure how fresh, but yeah, we are yes. physically present. Well, we're freshly back in terms of time. I'm not yes. sure in terms of bodily function, I, I, uh, in I'm terms of our sure health. Function. No, we're no. slightly deranged, I think, by all the <laughs> traveling we do anyway. A little more than normal. Right. Yeah. Um, so... You were there, I was there. It was an interesting announcement. There's obviously some things we can talk about. I think it's pretty well known that by now that uh, to the listeners that we, most of us journalists have review units. Yes. And we will be reviewing these. We have an embargo. We can't talk about the details of the phone, but we can give us, give you, I mean, our first impressions and- and I think that's, you know, there's a lot to cover there. So we can do broad brushstrokes, but we can't be the full Bob Ross. Exactly. I think is what you're exactly. trying to say. Yes. Um, but we can talk about some of the imaging quality because mm-hmm. they were allowed to post photos. So uh, that's kind of exciting, right? It is. I was a little surprised at that, but I think it's um, it's kind of indicative of where Google is going this year. Um, it's... It's interesting just how much focus they put, excuse the pun, on the camera. And it does feel <laughs> a lot like, um, thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you know me. Uh, yeah. I love your sense of humor. Oh, it's my to. European heritage. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, it's not really a phone so much now. Um, and I mean, obviously, the phone functionality of a phone, why do we still call it that? We hardly ever make calls anymore. It's used for so many other things. Maybe the thing that it's going to take over is being a camera. And it is a camera that's cellularly connected and just so happens to make calls and have access to your Gmail. And all of these things are distracting you from what you should be doing, which is taking really good photos. But you know, there is something to be said there because Android started out way back when Andy Rubin started it. Mm-hmm. I believe, and correct you, you know, you folks listening can correct me, but I am pretty sure that I read a story once about how they were frustrated with the user experience on cameras and they decided to, to start Android. And then it kind of immediately turned into, you know, what made most sense at the time because, right. you know, of Andy Rubin's involvement with the sidekick and, and danger. Um, but so kind of interesting to me because, you know, I saw this early on. In 2004, I bought a non-smartphone with a camera. It was the Sony Ericsson W800i Walkman phone, which was a slightly cheaper but identical hardware as their Cybershot phone at the time, which was basically a two megapixel autofocus. This was the first phone with an autofocus camera uh, that was available readily in the US. And and I could see, and the reason I bought it is well, it was because I wanted the imaging experience and of course the audio experience of the Walkman because it had an adapter for a headphone and, you know, you had memory card supports, things like that for MP3 playback. But I just wanted the camera and I could see the future where you could carry a camera in your pocket that was also your phone. And more importantly, I was, you know, had, this thing only had GPRS and I was using it to email photos to, to Flickr. Flickr allowed you, and I think still does allow you, to email it photos. You get a custom email address as part of your account that you can email to. That's right. Yeah. 
And so I did that for many years. And well, you know, eventually changed phones to like a Nokia Symbian phone with a decent camera as well. But my point is I could see the writing on the wall. I'm really not surprised. I think the mainstream has definitely caught up. I think if you ask the average person on the street today, one is, you know, what is, what are the, like, say, top three things that your phone needs to be good at? And I, I'm pretty sure most of them will have camera in their top three, right? Absolutely, yeah. And if you talk to the phone companies, they, you know, they're very aware of that, the research they do. They all say, you know, camera is the top, usually, um, factor that people make their buying decision based on. And yeah, I mean, it's it's become a game changer. You know, I can remember the, how exciting it was when you first got a camera on a phone, Um in my case, that was a Sony Ericsson T68i. Um, actually, oh, I think yeah. And it was an optional camera, wasn't it? It was. It plugged you into plugged the, it in. the proprietary port at the bottom. Um, I had that phone too, but I only got the accessory kind of after the fact, once I'd retired the phone. I bought it on eBay about 10 years later. Oh, right. You, you see, yeah, it's, just it's funny, to try isn't it, it out. The, the nostalgia thing, you have to kind of give it a go. Yes. Yeah, um, I did. I did. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting you're talking about that Sony Ericsson camera phone. It, it reminded me, you know, at one point I was very gung ho about the Samsung Galaxy camera. I don't know if you uh, remember I do that. Remember was, that. Yes. Oh yeah, I had a which review was kind in of it. coming at it from a very different angle, well, from the complete opposite angle, rather than being a, a phone that happened to be a really good camera. It was a camera that was connected, and that at the time, you know, seemed like a, a really good idea. And unfortunately, then. It kind of uh, fizzled out, and I guess people. It, I think maybe it was a little too early for this um, for data plans where you could have multiple devices attached to the same data plan. So you know, if you wanted a data plan for it, you'd need to subscribe to a whole new line. And um, I think, yeah, yeah, I think there were a number of issues. I think for me, what it was was it was bulky. That's the true. Imaging performance actually wasn't that great. It was basically a very cheap point and shoot engine. Mm-hmm drafted onto an Android mini tablet. Um, it had touch with and all that heavy, heavy handed, uh, you know, Samsung stuff at the time. So I feel like they were, you know, just like the note, you know, they were, they were very, you know, they were early kind of in, in, in that idea. Yes. It, it just didn't catch on. Whereas the note did. And I honestly think at the time I, when I was carrying it, I was thinking to myself, like, I wish my phone could do this. And mm-hmm. And so, like, do I really need a second device? Uh, what I thought was more interesting that is about a year or two after that, Samsung launched a one of their NX series cameras, I think the interchangeable lens. Yes. Um, Maybe the NX100, perhaps. I can't remember which one it was, but it was run, it was, and it was an Android based. Right. And that, you know, kind of, they only did a one-off and that to me was like, okay, yes, if you do a mirrorless camera, which is a purpose-built camera, I can kind of see the point, you know, Mm -hmm. because the imaging performance at the time of a mirrorless wouldn't even, like, you couldn't even get a phone to be remotely in that league back then, right? No, absolutely. But now you are. I mean, now you can get a phone like the P20 Pro, the Pixel 3, 3XL, and who knows what else is coming, but at least those in my book, are probably getting close to the territory of like an RX100 series from Sony, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And it's incredible when you think about it because the sensor size, the lens, I mean, everything is so much worse in many ways, performance-wise. It's its a much bigger challenge, you know, when you're making a camera. I'm, I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm not saying that I could go out and, and compete with Canon um, in my shed, but, you know, if you're making a, a dedicated camera, you can have something which is much, much larger than a phone, which, you know, has a bigger battery than a phone, typically, you know, and people sort of accept the ergonomic compromises that come with carrying a, a regular camera. Whereas if you're building a phone, you know, it's... You have a very, a very small amount of space. People say how much they want a, a decent camera, but how much kind of 
bulk are they willing to put up with in order to achieve that? I think it's 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 a an interesting compromise that people have to make, and I think it's it's interesting that Google is kind of sticking with its idea of okay, well, we're going to put a really good sensor in there, but we're going to do an awful lot of this with um, the computational photography. We're going to do it with software as much as we can, rather than trying to fit in multiple sensors uh, like Apple and other companies are doing. I think that's a, a really interesting sort of dichotomy from the rest of the industry. Yeah, and I think it's honestly the future. I think that there's still some merit from having multiple maybe lens types on your phone, like a wide angle, a zoom, uh, because those are hard to replicate in software still. But I feel that Google is, you know, kind of pushing forward with computational photography and, you know, slowly eating away at the, you know, the the kind of mid-range uh, camera universe, like dedicated camera universe, mm. like point and shoots and maybe entry-level DSLRs like the Rebels and entry-level uh um, mirrorless cameras. Now, of course, those cameras still have the advantage of glass yes. and large sensors. But what I'm constantly struggling with, Chris, and I know we're going away from Google here, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll regroup and come back. And this this show is all about tangents and we're having a really great discussion. So what I'm kind of puzzled by is why we're not seeing Nikon and Canon adopt this computational stuff for their DSLRs at the high end. Imagine all this glass and sensor and then throw in the computational stuff on top of it. I do wonder if it's just a, a combination of old school thinking and and just not having that expertise on on hand. You know, I think Google and other companies, you know, other phone companies doing computational photography stuff are have been working on it for some time and, you know, have been dedicating a lot of money into it. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of things like, you know, the machine learning to teach the algorithms that that do like background de-blur without having two lenses, that kind of thing. And I guess that that is just a very different, a very different kind of skill set to the skill set that is required to make a traditional camera. I think, you know, it, I would be very surprised if they're not looking at it and working on it. I mean, I, I would I would really hope for their sakes that they are. But I think also it probably is just taking a lot longer than we think. Interestingly, um, when I was visiting the Leica headquarters in June or July, uh, part of a Huawei trip to Europe, mm-hmm. um, where we kind of learned more about the P20 Pro at the time, I... Uh, you know, I asked them that question and they actually told me, the the Leica folks, that they're extremely seriously working on computational photography for their bigger, more expensive, dedicated, traditional Leica cameras. I'm so super glad Leica to hear it. Leica seems yeah. to be on board. And I think that there's a synergy or symbiosis between Huawei's uh, AI uh, know-how and software know-how um, that kind of Leica is benefiting from, benefiting from, and then there is the reverse of Huawei benefiting from Leica's expertise in lens and sensor and color science mm-hmm. that they're kind of applying to the phones. What I learned during that trip is that the lenses in the P20, P20 Pro, and a lot of the Leica branded uh, products from Huawei are actually made to spec, to Leica spec, by large factories in china mm. because they leica could not themselves doesn't have the volume to create that many lenses and sensors Absolutely. but it's interesting to me that like it's to their spec so i think that you know there's still hope for those camera companies <laughs> i think it's it's interesting because we've seen phone makers kind of cherry pick the best of the camera companies you know the the 
people like Leica and Zeiss and that kind of thing and put their brands on their phones to kind of give them a halo of um, sort of authenticity when it comes to photography. And I wonder if at some point we're going to see the reverse happen, you know, and it'll be a, yeah. a Leica camera or a Canon camera or a Nikon or something powered by Samsung Google. or powered by Google or, you yeah, know, yeah. this something that kind of people have been talking about recently on Twitter a lot is this idea of, you know, would it be great to have a camera that was running Google Photos? You know, and I think that that's, that, that's a really fascinating idea, I mean, this this idea of having a, a cloud-connected computational... Totally is what I want. Ca- I yeah. mean, per- personally, the thing that I do now, you know, I used to never edit my photos with my phone. I used to be kind of hardcore. I used to be like, I take the camera, the photo, and, uh, you know, maybe I... I might maybe tweak exposure by tapping on an area of the screen or maybe mm-hmm. focus on an area. Um, but I'm going to frame this best I can right from the get-go and I'm going to get the right white balance and everything right from the get-go in my phone. And I still think that way. I, I want to minimize the amount of developing I do. But now I, I actually do developing on almost every photo I take. Every Almost every photo I take with my smartphones go through Google Photos or Snaps, uh, Snapseed these days. Mm-hmm. And it's not for like filters or, or you know, kind of like artistic expression. It's more like, oh, hey, I can tweak this and just, you know, the, the, I'm kind of basically g- pulling out more information from the data I have because there is so much data there that hasn't quite surfaced yet. And and I find that the pixels have been the biggest, you know, the, the cameras on phones that have given me the most to play with. Hmm. They seem to capture so much more data than other phones. And I can, you know, edit quite a bit and and kind of without, you know, completely destroying the image quality. You know what I'm saying? I do. And I think it's it, it's one of the the kind of the the pleasures of um something like Google Photos, which makes it so easy to kind of experiment with something and then be like, okay, yeah, no, I'm just going to go back to what it was. Or even better, you know, the when it does something to your photo, it whether that's oh, applying a auto, filter or yeah, a change. Yeah, the auto yeah. stuff, yeah. And sometimes, you know, it, it, it presents you with something and you check it out and you're like, hmm, no, actually maybe not that. But, you know, sometimes I look at it and I think, yeah, actually this that's is good. Amazing. I like yeah, this. Exactly. I'm, you know, totally. I'm going to save this. And and it's just you know it's it's funny that talking about google photos because this past week obviously i've been thinking about it a lot because it was the kind of the one positive thing that spun out of google plus and obviously google just announced that they are going to sunset the consumer version of google indeed, plus and indeed. that got me thinking about how i think actually google photos could be my favorite google product of all um i use google maps a lot you know and i use gmail for my email and i use google calendar but you know none of them kind of give me that same sense of um sort of surprise and delight to use a corny phrase as, as something and, popping up in Google Photos does. And, you know, for better or for worse, because obviously you're giving data to Google and you're somewhat relinquishing some privacy, the uh, the auto-upload is just, I mean, it just is a life changer. I feel like, you know, there's so many photos that just would never go anywhere that I Absolutely. would take. And now at least they're backed up. And at least yeah. I might revisit them. Uh, even if I don't, you know, use them right away. And that's really changed my life. Um, so regrouping a little bit of conversation, because, you know, everybody's on the edge of the seats. They all want to hear about the phones. And we've <laughs> oh, been, like, yeah, totally phones. teasing yeah. them. I know we're terrible. We're like, we're I don't people. know, what is it now? Like, we're like 17 minutes in, we haven't mentioned anything about the event or the devices. No. We're bad people. We're terrible, um, terrible people. But no, no, but this was a really good conversation. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on the actual event itself, like mm-hmm. the actual keynote, if you want to call it that. Um, 
you know, within the context of the end of Google Plus, the the recent privacy kerfuffle, but also in in the light of all these leaks around the Pixel Three, Pixel Three XL, and how it seemed like like it. This presentation was great. It was clearly people worked really hard on it, but it felt like we were just ticking boxes, right? We're like, oh yeah, this, oh yeah, this. Not really kind of like, there was nothing that put me on the edge of my seat or got me really excited because I felt like we knew everything. And that, that was, because of that, it felt like it was a weird keynote to me. It did. It was, I mean, it was obviously going to be tough for them because so much had leaked and not just... So much had leaked kind of in the in the week running up to the events. Things had leaked, you know, months beforehand. And it did kind of feel like, you know, they, they took the phones out and it was like, mm, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, we've seen those. And it, it, it did, it became a checklist of, had we seen this before? And yes. And then, you know, they were their own worst enemy in a sense because, you know, the day before that tweet and sort of giving right. that idea, that hint of, um, you know, oh, we've, we've got a surprise for you. And then that just didn't really pan out into anything. So it was a very polished event, but it, it, it was very much a, a, a sort of a confirmation of what we'd already seen rather than anything super dramatic. And it, it, it did make me wonder, you know, is there a better way that they could have handled that? You know, is could they have, been, rather than being, you know, rather than sort of take this idea of, well, we're just going to kind of ignore it generally and, and announce things as if you hadn't heard about them. Could we yeah. maybe could we maybe say, well, okay, look, people have been talking about these phones for two, three, four months now, even though we've seen just about everything there is about them, people are still excited. People are so excited. Why is that? You know, why, why are people so excited about these phones? Here is what we've done to improve them. This is why you should be excited. This is why, even though you're still hearing about these devices four months in and we're only just making them official, this is why you should be putting this phone in your pocket for the next two years as well. And I kind of wish they'd done that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also feel like, you know, it was it was interesting to me that they didn't mention anything at all about like this what recent what's recently been going through. And I and I get it, right? Like you you'd probably they probably wanted to stay away from the privacy and the Google Plus thing, but you know, you have a room full of journalists that have just mm-hmm. been dealing with this. And it felt so weird that they just glossed over that and just went right into this shiny presentation. But but you know, we had about 17 minutes of conversation about computational photography, the future of, of cameras and phones that are good at taking photos. And to me, the, the big takeaway here is that the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL are going to continue, you know, pushing the envelope and defining what, you know, a camera phone should do and be. Mm-hmm. And that they've nailed. Um, they have done it primarily through software and new features in software which might possibly trickle down to the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL. So I'm really, th- that's the part I was excited about. Those, those three new features they announced in, in the camera software, which were, let me think, the, uh, the be- ability to pick the best shot, right? right. After the fact. Um, uh, the new night mode. The new night mode, which we haven't seen yet because I'm not sure that the, 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 yeah, the software it's, it's that available ready yet. yet. No. And then the, the, the super zoom thing. Mm-hmm. Which is really, really clever because it basically uses the, since, you know, the phones, like, so the, with the Pixel and Pixel 2 and Pixel 3, what Google is doing is they're continuously taking photos while the camera is running, like the mm-hmm. app, right? So they're taking hundreds of photos per second. And, 
you know, when you push the shutter button, you're really just saying, this is the shot I want. And then it takes the photos near that time moment and kind of does all kinds of computational madness with it and gets you a photo and stacks them and does HDR by stacking them in terms of light amplitude. And it stacks them in terms of time by removing, you know, blur and stuff like, so now they're doing another thing for zooming where you're always moving a little bit when you take a photo, right? Mm -hmm. Your hands are moving a bit, even though the camera has OIS, it's still going to move a little bit. Um, and what happens is you can capture kind of like variations on the same photo. Um, and it gives you extra pixel information that you can kind of use to interpolate new pixels so that you can have more detail when you zoom in on a sensor that technically has a finite amount of detail. And that's exactly what they're doing. Um, and, you know, that takes a huge amount of computation, which is, you know, the reason why they haven't introduced it yet, I presume, is because of the Snapdragon 845 and the crazy imaging chip that they have mm -hmm. that's custom, what's it called again? The Pixel the Google, Core? Uh, the, the Vision Core. Vis visual Core visual, or whatever, yeah. yeah. So I think that's, to me, are the things that are really interesting. I'm not sure, do our review units have the Zoom thing enabled? I know they don't have the low-light stuff. No, I don't believe so. Um, I think that's another one of those features which is still to come but that to me those three things are gonna you know you know i jokingly said during the keynote in twitter that you know when they posted that comparison between the the, the iphone xs and the pixel 3 xl that night low light mode shot i was like yeah there we go uh you know the pixel 3s leapfrogged the entire industry for another year again you know mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of like the pixel 2 the last year maybe not another year but my point is that I think this is the gift that Google is giving us with these phones. Yes, there's a lot of things to be complaining about. We can talk about them. The notch, the pricing, the you know, the fact that you're not really getting much more than any other flagship. Uh, but it's the imaging, it's the camera. To yeah. me, that's the part that really defines and that and, and to some extent some features like the the crazy thing where they're introducing duplex where you can you have a third option. You can answer a call. You can, you know, cancel, like ignore a call, you know, and you can send it to duplex. I and mean, have an AI answer it and, and have talk an on AI your behalf. AI answer on your yeah. behalf. That's just, to me, that's sci-fi. That's crazy. I don't know how it's going to work, if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to piss people off, but I love that Google's trying it out. I kind of am happy to be a guinea pig for this one, to be honest with you. It's kind of creepy, but at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> it's so sci-fi and so out there that you can have this in a product that you buy and put in your pocket, you know? Yeah, it's it. we live in interesting times. <laughs> so in terms of hardware, you hmm. played with this. Let's talk about the phones first. You played with the Pixel 3, Pixel 3 XL. Yes. What do you like and dislike about them? I, I really like the new design language. I think the the glass back with the the kind of the combination of uh, almost like sandblasting etching kind of uh, panel on the lower section, leaving the uh, the glass shiny on the top. I think that's really nice. Um, I like that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think generally it just kind of feels softer and smoother and a little bit more like a, a rounded pebble in your hand, which is. I feel that that the phones feel like they're a pair more than last year. Yeah. Like because last year LG made the two XL and HTC made the two, and each and the two had the sixteen nine display with a huge bezel top and bottom. Mm -hmm. It just didn't feel like they were siblings you know almost like no, they just it, felt like two different phones the first yeah. gen pixels felt totally like siblings 
And this is kind of, I think, a bit more back to form, right? Definitely. I think what surprised me was how much more I like the the 3 than the 3XL. Me too. And I can't make up my mind. I've got both here. And I need to pick one as my main phone because I always have a Pixel as my main phone. Mm-hmm. And last year was no doubt I, I put my SIM in the 2XL. But like I keep thinking like, I haven't committed yet. I still have my SIM in my 2XL because I can't decide which think, phone am I taking to London next week. Yeah. <laughs> you I think, know? I think for me, it, was, it comes down to the, with the 2, that 5-inch screen was just that little bit too small compared yeah. with everything else out there that I've been using. Whereas now, 5.5-inch, you know, that's that's a nice size display and you don't have to deal with any of the kind of the notch nonsense. Um it feels so great in hand. It's it does. like the perfect size phone. The, it's this like, combination it, of the size and the, and the kind of the, constri- the design and the construction. It's just, it feels nice. You know, the last three phones that felt like that to me, four maybe, uh, are the, um, the iPhone 10 and 10S, mm-hmm. the, the, small, the smaller one, right? Right. That's the same, almost the same size. Like they just feel so great in hand. They fit in your hand really well. Um, the essential phone. Yeah. Um, and then the P20 non-pro, uh, which has kind of a twin in the Honor 10. Mm-hmm. Those four phones to me, and I'm including the Pixel 3 as the fourth, are kind of like the perfect size uh, for my size hands. Yes. Yeah. And obviously and all, all of this kind of comes with a disclaimer that, you know, your hands might, your hands are probably yeah, different to my hands. Um, and I can always sit on my hand to make it feel like it's your hand, but that's, it's, <laughs> then I drop the phone. Um but yeah, I think, you know, I'm I'm looking at the XL now and I'm thinking it's just that, you know, is it just that little bit too big? And I think that the fact that you get all of the same features in exactly, the, that's the, the other three, thing. As a, you know, the only thing you're compromising on, the battery is a little bit smaller. And, and 1080p, the, but whatever. Uh, yeah. And which, I mean, I, I'm kind of over phone resolution. Oh yeah. Wars. I mean, I don't, I honestly, my eyes are not good enough to see yeah. the difference between 1080p and Quad HD. Like on the Samsung phones where you, they all run at 1080p, even though the screen is mm-hmm. uh, 2K, and you can set them to run at 2K. Um, I always leave them at 1080p, and I can't tell the difference. Uh, my eyes are just not good enough. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to me that the 2XL that I have, that's my main phone, and then the 3XL are almost to the millimeter exactly the same size. Yes. Yet the 3XL looks massive to me somehow. It does. The proportions are kind of weird exactly. about this phone, of the screen particularly. I mean, I that think notch. It, I mean, we have to talk about it. I know it's been hashed to death. This is a horse that's so dead that we're beating bones right now. Yes, and and I'm not. I feel I feel obliged to point out very early on. I am not a notch hater. I neither. I kind of. I feel like it's it is a necessary evil because if you want a screen that takes up as much as possible of the the front of your phone. And you want to have the front-facing camera and various sensors that we have on a phone, and you don't want to have some sort of pop-out thing, which I think most manufacturers don't. Then you know you've got to have a notch. That's just that's the nature of it. And I find that, you know, I, I typically carry an iPhone as well as an Android phone. And I had an iPhone 10, and then I've got an iPhone 10 and S Max now, and. I just don't see the the notch anymore. You know, I don't notice it. It doesn't bother me either. I just this one just seems so out of proportion big. It's it's weirdly deep. And I think that the it's funny, Twitter the, on Twitter, Google was kind of having a conversation with someone who kind of asked about the notch and hiding it and asking kind of, you know, why did you do that? 
And they were saying, well, actually, no, in, in comparison, in terms of like notch to overall screen ratio, uh, other companies have got a worse ratio than we have. And I think it kind of misses the point that it is a very, it's an emotional thing. You know, it's some people just really, really see this thing and they don't like it. And this the shape of it and the depth of it is just, it looks weird. I think weird. part of it also is that the indicators on either side, like, you know, the battery mm-hmm. indicator, all the icons are not they on most notches they fill that 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 strip of screen right that's very true yes but here they're kind of like floating in this empty space of strip mm-hmm. and it's kind of this it's a proportion issue and the other thing to me is you know uh in the developer options you can on android pi if you have developer build installed you can actually turn off the notch on the pixel 3 xl right a few folks did it um on twitter just go and look on twitter um and and it's it instantly looks better yet you're wasting screen because this mode doesn't just you know put the i keep the icons on the top left and right of the notch and make the background black it it actually just kind of ignores that part of the screen completely yes which basically means that you're just completely wasting some oled by never turning it on right um which is very odd but i might you know, I might go with the Pixel 3 XL and turn off the notch, basically, at this point. Interesting. You see, I kind of feel like if you're going to do it, embrace it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, and adding to that kind of... Because obviously that developer mode was never really intended for, for that. It was just to kind of give developers this, you know, this idea of what the notch would look like. And it, so as far as I can tell, it doesn't actually... When you turn it on and kind of hide the notch, it doesn't give you any more... Like, you no, don't get a full band anything. of notifications across the top. It will cut off no. as if as if the notch was still there. I just feel it's it's people looking desperately for a solution to that. And I, I guess we just... I kind of feel like, you know, you just have to say, well, okay, if I want this bigger phone, I'm just going to have to deal with Google's decision this time around. Um, it, and, it's funny know, because yeah. I think, you know, none of the other phones that have the option to hide the notch and hide it in a clever way where they still keep the icons up mm-hmm. there, but with a black background. Um, I haven't... I, none of the phones have turned it on. But with this one, if that option were to become available in a future build, or not a developer build, actually right. like a feature. Kind of remember like the Pixel 2 XL and the color temperature last yes. year, the sRGB, and they fixed it by giving us vivid colors by mm-hmm. default. Um, I mean, honestly, to me, that fixed it, and I'm perfectly happy. I've been perfectly happy with the color space on my Pixel 2 XL ever since. But to me, they should they should give that option to people because I actually feel that it's big enough that I'm not sure I can embrace it and that if I did want the bigger phone, I might want to... At least do the not, you know, ignore the notch, like which is what the developer mode is doing, but like reverse the, you know, the the rendering so that the background between behind those icons is black, and that if you look at the phone, it it doesn't look as shockingly in your face. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you just need a good wallpaper. Maybe I just need to use the Pixel Three. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I just need a small phone save, since it feels so great in my save hand. Save a hundred dollars, you know, get a small phone. I don't know, Chris. I'm I have this weird. I mean, I've been using a Note Nine lately a lot, and it's massive. It's it's huge, mm-hmm. but God damn it, I love the real estate. It's so great. It is. So yeah. I'm kind of like you know, my Pixel Two XL is all is pretty much the same size as the Pixel Three, at least the external size. Mm-hmm. So yes, I get a little more display on the Pixel Three XL, but. I'm not sure, like, that's my concern. It's like, if I go to the Pixel 3, will I miss the real estate, especially if we're typing on the keyboard? Right. 
It's tough. It's a, I mean, it, yeah, I, I can't tell you what to do and I'm not a doctor. No, I know. Um, I will bring it up with my psychiatrist. Yeah, yes, that's, that's, that's what fine. I'm going to do. Um, I want to talk about the other thing that was kind of interesting to me about. So the, the phone's identical, screens and batteries are different. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the, the Pixel 3 XL has that weird notch, which we just talked about at length, which is very polarizing. And then, um, other than that, they're identical. So um, the other thing that stands out to me is four gigs of RAM. I wondered about that too. And I think that it's interesting because... You know, in the past, you know, if you look at where the, the kind of the Nexus phone project and kind of how that started and what that um, was the, kind of one of the intentions of that, it always was a, this is Google telling, giving OEMs a message, you know, people making Android phones, look, this is what you should be focusing on. You know, and it went through kind of, you know, looking at bigger screens and better cameras and that kind of thing. And I almost wonder whether this is a kind of a, a return to those days of, you know, do what I do kind of leading yeah. by example Could and be. saying, yeah. well, okay, would it not be better if the phone was so efficient that you didn't need to put six gig or eight gig of I mean, RAM into it? it's definitely a power saving. You know, when you have to power six or eight gigs of RAM, you're wasting battery. Um, at the same time, yes, you can have many more apps open and it does feel different, but I never felt that four gigs of RAM on my Pixel 2 XL wasn't enough. Yeah. So I'm probably going to be okay, but it's just weird to me to see that they stayed with a relative what is considered today kind of a minimum amount of RAM for a flagship. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean. I think it's it's too early, kind of, to say. I, you know, we haven't used the phones long enough long yet enough, to, yeah. to 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 sort to talk about you know how they actually perform day to day. You know, in my first kind of impressions of them, they they seem certainly. Quick, quick enough that I think you know that's pretty much the same with any phone that you buy when you take it out of the box. It's you know it's, ask yourself that maybe in six months' times and see how you're how yeah. you're doing. Um, I think I feel like it was a conscious decision. You know, I feel like it was someone not just saying, "Well, okay, we're going to save a little bit of money," and you know, rather than spend the extra on six gigs, you know, we'll spend you know yeah. we'll, we'll buy four instead. I think it was. I do feel like it was more of a, a, a nod to saying, "Well, look, Android can be efficient." and effective and run smoothly and deliver everything a flagship needs and everything people expect from a flagship with four gig of RAM. And if you need six gigabytes to, to make it you're run smoothly, it you're doing <laughs> yeah. it wrong. Yeah. You shouldn't be, you're bloating it wrong. And, and, you know, customers should be saying to you, well, you know, what the heck, you know, why, yeah. do, why do I need to spend extra? Why do I have to pay the battery toll to get a phone with six or eight gig of RAM or more or whatever, you know, when the people who make Android have just shown me that, well, you don't need that. You can do yeah, something. Absolutely. You can do something with much more marginal levels and get the benefits of that. Totally. No, it's 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 just an interesting decision. I mean, other than that, like honestly, I am really excited. But again, the camera is what it is for me. A lot of people are asking me, Miriam. You know, you've been using the Nexus phones and the Pixel phones as your main phones since you since day one. I had a G one, mm -hmm. then I went to a, a, the HTC uh, Magic, which was the uh, basically a, a, a G1 without the keyboard. So right. the, the, the dream was the G1 mm -hmm. and the Magic, uh, which was a developer phone that Google gave at Google I.O. and was never sold. I think T-Mobile eventually sold it um, they did. briefly. And I then so. I got the Droid, which was a revelation. And then I got the Nexus One immediately after, which was really like, wow, okay, this we've landed. And then mm -hmm. And then, you know, from there, I went to a Nexus S, to Galaxy Nexus, to 
uh, all the Nexus numbers, 4, 5, 6, uh, 5X and 6P, I switched between the two. I started with the 5X, moved to the 6P. Uh, and then, of course, the Pixel, I had the XL, now I have the 2XL, and then the 3XL with the 3. I don't know, I haven't figured it out yet. Um, but what I'm saying is that a lot of people like Miriam, like, you know, OnePlus has finally landed. Like, in the sense that, to me, and I, I mean, you might agree, I, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, but the 6 was the first OnePlus phone that, to me, felt like there was very, there were so few compromises that I didn't see the need to buy a Pixel anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it kind of it felt like it stopped being a, a fan project and, you know, kind of like a... Yeah, it, it kind of, all of a sudden things got very serious and it kind of, right. and you could take it seriously and it, and it stood up to other phones and you kind of... Yeah, yeah, like we were talking about RAM just before, you know, it, all of a sudden you, you had to ask, well, hang on, why am I spending two, three hundred dollars more on your phone when I can go to OnePlus and I can get the same processor and I can get the same sort of camera sensors and I can get the same display and the same form factor and the same size of battery, you know, and and get it unlocked and the flexibility that that brings and have, you know, relatively fast software updates. What am I paying you for again? Yeah. So people asking me this all the time, they're like, you know, why don't you now, you know, you've said at length that the six, the OnePlus six uh, is finally, you know, ticks all the boxes for you so why aren't why aren't you switching to that and and i'm i'm honestly asking myself that question i'm it's a tough it's a tough one to answer i think my big answer is computational photography mm-hmm. even though the OnePlus 6 takes great photos finally it's just the baseline of great I, I want think, yeah. more than great. I want exceptional. And that's what I'm getting out of my Pixel 2 XL. And that's what I got out of the uh, Huawei Mate, uh, sorry, P20 Pro. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, finally, I felt like there was a phone that could compete with my Pixel 2 XL. But, of course, I couldn't adopt the Huawei as my main phone because uh, that EMUI, I just can't <laughs> live with it. And the lack of software updates. And yeah. I mean, you know, they've been actually pretty good Huawei at updating their phones lately. But... It's interesting to me that, you know, I'm trying, it's, I'm hanging kind of by a thread as to why I should continue being a Pixel user or an Exus user. And I think when you, you know, when you've been on that kind of very bleeding edge of getting the latest features first, it's, it's hard to go, it's hard to step away from that and say, well, okay, I'm going to go to a different device that maybe saves me a little bit of money, but, you know, that, that I don't get everything immediately. And you like things straight away. Yeah, and it's also kind of having Google's pure vision in my hands. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like this represents what Android should be. And this is a super controversial statement. I know some people completely disagree with me that they say that, you know, that's not what Android's about, that Android is about variety. And Android is about the fact that there's MUI and some people love EMUI and that some people love t- TouchWiz or whatever it's called now. I don't even know if it's called TouchWiz. Samsung Wiz. Experience, I believe. Correct. Yeah. And so I'm just saying like, but that to me, to me, those Android days are long gone. I think that that was an that was kind of Android's Achilles heel was the fact that Android Google was too permissive on the user experience. When they tightened things up, starting with the Galaxy Nexus and beyond that, uh, and really I think started tightening things up with maybe Android Nougat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt it's really made, you know, it's made the experience for Android users better. You can switch phones now, and if you're your Nova launcher on all your phones, for example, it's virtually the same experience which didn't used to be the case. And to me, that's super exciting. 
but I feel that I kind of part of, you know, kind of part of my, my stake digging is like, it's not just the camera. It's the fact that I know when I have a pixel, I have the purest and most ultimate Google experience in my pocket. And I don't know if that's a valid reason anymore, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. And then I, and then I, I feel like the, the, if there is a, if you like the software experience that you get on a Samsung phone, or you like the software experience you get on a, a Huawei phone, then that's a perfectly good reason to, to go for those devices. I, I felt the same way about the P20 Pro. I loved that phone as a camera. You know, the, the low light mode is just stupendous. Oh you know, it's, I, know. I mean, it just, it, it makes some, it makes some beautiful, beautiful photos. Some of the best photos I've seen from a phone recently. But I just, the, the thought of living with the software day to day was just, you know, I couldn't do that. Um, it was just, it, it just felt like I would always be turning the phone on and feeling like I was missing out from what I could be having. Give me an Android One f- version of that and mm. we're done, you know? Yes. Like, oh boy. But yeah, I think um, on, on a side note, speaking of OnePlus, the 6T is now officially launching on the October 30th. So That's right. Um, you know, keep keep your ears and eyes out for that, folks. Uh, obviously, I'll be getting a device and 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 all that good jazz. So I'll obviously, keep your ears and eyes open generally, because yes, otherwise you I mean, could get run over. Well, yes. I mean, I'm just I'm just bringing safety to the podcast, Miriam. You know, I'm. Th- thank you, Chris. No, you're I, welcome. You're welcome. I appreciate I, it. You know, this is your this is where you're playing uh, psychiatrist, psychologist. Yes, uh, this, and it, telling people to to be to be mindful of their surroundings just you know look up from your phone once in a while at least while you're crossing the road and always use the (laughs) sidewalk yep yep uh and so you know obviously the oneplus 6t i think in terms of uh what we know of it so far which seems to also have leaked extensively is Mm -hmm. a teardrop notch might actually just be kind of the sweet spot for those of you who don't like notches too much but want a large screen to body ratio so it'll be interesting to see what they do um I I um, want to move on to um, I mean unless you have other things you want to add about the I mean there's really not too much to say. I was just gonna say there's literally nothing else to say about the. Pixel no no phones, there is there is the is wide that? angle oh, okay. fr- the wide angle front camera. Uh, yeah. Right. So you don't sound too excited about that. <laughs> well, do you know? I mean, the problem, Miriam, is that I don't have any friends to include in photos with me. Oh, no, I'm joking. But what about a, photos no. when you're grilling? You need to include the grill. It's true, and, and I have your a very, face. I have a very wide face, so I'm, it makes hat buying very difficult. So it is nice to be able to not have to ask someone else to hold the phone at a distance so I can fit in the front camera. I just feel like it just seems a bit strange that. To have two lenses there where you could just have a wide angle lens and then crop it and down. And computationally if you need. crop it down. Yes. Yeah, totally. Give us a nice 12 megapixel sensor in the front with a wide angle lens in front of it. And then you can do all the wonderful computational stuff you're doing in the back. Uh, and it still gives us the option of narrow and wide purely in software. It's really Absolutely. weird. It's an odd, yeah. It's, and, and I wouldn't mind if they were doing some kind of Apple true depth camera, face ID, facial recognition, 3D mapping cleverness, but Thanks there doesn't seem to be any of that, that at the moment. Because when I saw that notch on the 3XL, the you know, the leaks, I was like, okay, guys or folks, this is what's happening here. They're finally giving us a face ID, proper depth sensing, face ID mm-hmm. equivalent for, for, for Android that, tie, that ties in with some code in Android Pi that makes it secure so you can use it for payments, say, right? Yeah. Because... I think you and I talked about this maybe at the key, at the keynote yesterday, but or maybe it was another journalist. I can't remember, but it was the whole thing about there are no Android phones today that have depth sensors 
that are able to be used for payment. So there are only two phones technically with depth sensors that, that I'm aware of right now, and that's the uh, Oppo Find X and an upcoming phone that I can't talk about. Right. And as far as I know, neither of those two phones, you know, they can unlock your phone really uh, more securely than any other face identification system on any Android phone that normally just uses purely the camera. Right. Or the iris, like uh, the, the Samsung's. Samsung. Yep. But they cannot be used for payment. Mm-hmm. What's it's, up with that? It, it's, it's a really odd situation. And I, I, I don't get it. And, and it's weird because if you look at what Google has also been developing, you know, if you look at all the work they did with the Project Tango and all of that, you know, they have the kind of the, the multiple cameras doing interesting 3D spatial stuff. You know, they, they totally, have that they 3D mapping. It. So yeah, absolutely. It's definitely not beyond them. And I just, I'm, yeah, I'm really bemused as to if they'd given us that notch and given us like a really advanced camera array that could do more interesting things than just be like, well, this is a 80 something degree lens and this is a 90 something degree lens, you know, you'll fit more of your friends in. And I don't know the exact numbers. It looked actually that it was more than 90 considering how much in the demo they, they were showing included in the frame. And then that's great. You know, if you want to take a photo of yourself in front of a, a Canyon, but I just feel like I don't know if that compromises enough for the amount of times that I take Canyon photos. <laughs> well, you do Canyon carve in those cars this you is, test. This is so true, yes. But I try not you to. you will find yeah. a use to make a selfie with you, your grill, and a car in the background. Yeah. Um, though obviously, you I, shouldn't I challenge you. Yeah, well, I need to post that on I'd, yeah, Twitter. I'll have to get a pickup truck, yeah. Is that what you have right now? No, I don't. No, I, I, actually, I, I, they, they, I, at the moment, I have a bright yellow Mustang EcoBoost. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Convertible or regular? Uh, regular, yeah. Stick shift or auto? Auto. Oh. Mm. Ah, yeah. Sounds like a rental car. It does sound like a rental car, yes. <laughs> it's. Um, I'm terrible. Like yeah. all the Mustang users right now are, are like <laughs> mad at me, like instantly. Um, I like the Mustang, folks. I'm just not, it's not something I would buy, but I appreciate it. I think that this current generation of Mustang, oh, wait, well, I guess we're in the, we're in the, in the half state of the, generation aren't we now like yeah, it's the refresh of, we're past the yes, mid 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 model right. refresh yeah. so the, the the current generation i feel is finally like the one that when they introduced the independent rear suspension to yes. me this mustang is finally a car that i could see myself driving and owning prior to that i do appreciate the the, the history of the mustang and even the fox body side of mm-hmm. it because you know there's there's a lot to be done and said there are lots of lots of tinkering abilities in these vehicles but totally not my thing so there we are my god we're talking about everything but google <laughs> we are um, i wonder if that says a lot about the event well let's talk about the slate because um i am conflicted with that thing and mm-hmm. it seems like at least from the headline of your story which by the way i'll put in the show notes like along with all the stories that Chris wrote about the event, um, you seem conflicted about the slate as well. I, I was, I am, I still am. And it's funny because I, I tried it and I wrote about it. And then I went and spoke with some of the people who, from the, both the Chrome OS team and the, the kind of the, the hardware team that had worked on developing it and, you know, talked with them about some of the decisions that they've made and the reasons for it and kind of got a little bit more a little bit more certain and also a little bit more confused at the same time. Um, 
It's so what do you think Google is trying to do here? I mean, last year they gave us the Pixel Book and unanimously everybody went, holy crap balls, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I got a review in it and I'll have to be tell you that I've been a long-term Chromebook user since the CR42. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? I do, I do. And I've been using all of the Pixel branded ones and the Pixel Book is absolutely by a long, long, long milestone my favorite of it's all excellent. the Chromebooks. I mean, the hardware is, is beautiful. The keyboard is, is sublime. Screen is great. I love the the hinge design is great. You know, it's it's just it's like what else do you need? Why yeah. do we even want to make a two in one? Like two in ones is to me, I can't use them on my lap. I just don't like them. It's mm-hmm. like when Microsoft finally made the Surface laptop, I was like, yes, finally, finally. So, I loved everything about the Surface Pro, but I wanted it in laptop form factor. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think okay. So let's first off. I mean, I, you know, I want to talk about what I like about it first before we. Sure. We get too negative, and so okay. So I, I like the I like the design. I think it looks mm-hmm. good. I wish it the blue good. was not quite so dark because it kind of almost looks black, and I like blue. I think it's very you know it's very thin, which is nice. I think the screen looks beautiful. Um, that three um, K by two K res is you know very oh, yeah. nice. Um, the keyboard is uh, it borrows some of the tech from the Pixelbook keyboard, which is great. I wish that they'd kept the square keys. Yes, it felt very close the trackpad and keyboard to my yes. pixel book yeah but the round keys are weird and yes they they had this whole explanation on how you you it's easier to not to like not accidentally hit other keys because there's more space around them mm-hmm. or whatever but like it just seems like a cosmetic gimmick and it's not a bad thing it's not wrong i just find it weird yeah and, and funnily enough that's actually what the hardware team the guy said to me um i can't remember his name offhand which is awful um but he basically said, you know, one of the, if you look at kind of a key design theme that Google has, it's, you know, at the moment, it's really pushing that circular thing, the circular G logo, the circular icons. Yeah, and this yeah. is kind of another, you know, if they wanted it to look jaunty and circular, which is fine, but I wonder whether, you know, there is there is a time for squares. And sometimes that time is when you're typing. At least they didn't make the trackpad circular. That would be interesting. Or star-shaped, maybe. Yeah, It's Um, it's, it's like the Apple mouse, the puck, remember? Yes. Now I kind of want to see that. Oh, goodness. Um, (laughs) I mean, to me, the the thing that I don't, like, I don't understand why Chrome OS on a tablet. Like, I know it's not, they're not the first to do it. Like, what is it, Acer or whatever Mm -hmm. did it first? And it's, it's just like, no, like what makes Chrome OS so awesome is it gives you desktop experience, a mouse, meaning a trackpad, meaning a keyboard. And yes, you can touch the screen on the Pixel Book, and I do sometimes. Sometimes I use it as a tablet and I scroll through because I'm watching YouTube videos or something. Mm-hmm. It's fine. But like most of the time, you need the keyboard and trackpad to make Chrome OS a valid experience. So why even make a device where a $200, $200 keyboard? is optional. I think it's having, again, talked with some of the guys from the Chrome OS team, it's interesting how they've changed um, Chrome OS to kind of make it more tablet friendly. And, you know, they talk about, they talked a little bit about that during the keynote and I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But actually some of the changes, you know, they, they make a lot of sense, you know, the different places where the layout adjusts, you know, because your, your hands yeah. will be in different places and different touch targets, that kind of thing. So I kind of don't have so much of an issue with Chrome OS on a tablet. And in fact, I think it makes a lot more sense than Android on a tablet does. Oh, absolutely. Yes. My kind of, my concern is partly, as you say, this idea of, you know, the keyboard, which I do see as being 
like an essential accessory for most people, being a $200 extra. I think the pen, okay, I would have liked to have seen it thrown in rather than being $100, but sure, okay. Fair but enough. just the the kind of the range of pricing that we've seen, you know, going starting, you know, okay, that, that, that the headline price of $599 gets you a seller on. Yes, and it goes, I mean, it's worse than your smartphone. It's yeah. going to perform worse than a Pixel 3. It's it, and then you know, and then to get to the other extreme of that is just sixteen hundred. So, yeah, and it's and and you kind of feel like, well, again, I li- like you, I like Chrome OS, but I don't think I could see myself spending no. MacBook Pro money or Surface I mean, Book or uh, you know money on on yes. on, on a Chrome OS yeah machine. I do have a sixteen gigabyte Core i seven Pixel Book, and I have to tell you that is. You know, people f- look at me and go like, "Your Pixel Book with those specs?" I'm like, "Yeah, Chrome OS runs like a freaking dream on that thing." Okay, oh, sure. Like it's so smooth. I mean, I get it. So, but the problem is, it's too expensive mm-hmm. because ultimately, what you're still getting is a tablet without a keyboard that you still have to spend two hundred dollars on, etc., yeah. etc. It does have a fingerprint reader. It doesn't have a headphone jack. Interesting choices. I mean, the fingerprint reader is great. Yeah. I- I think that sh- had to happen. But the lack of headphone jack on a tablet, very odd. I feel like if you look at it as an ecosystem thing, it makes more sense. You know, right. I, it's funny, I have headphones plugged into my laptop at the moment because, you know, while I'm talking to you, most of the time I just use my AirPods. Um, of course or you do, yeah. or, or, you know, another set of wireless headphones. You know, the number of times I've used the headphone jack is very, very low. And I feel like, you know, if you're a, 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 a pixel slate user and also like a pixel 3xl user or whatever you know you have your, yeah, your right. phone and your tablet you'll just be switching your wireless headphones between the two because you already sense. have wireless headphones because all of the phone companies are ditching headphone jacks so you know you might as well just wirelessly connect them to, to the tablet I'd, i so think, i think that yeah. means the next ipad is not going to have a headphone jack i feel like i mean if you, google prob- beat yeah. apple to it yeah <laughs> I think, and I think people people will complain, and then they'll go out and buy a set of AirPods, and they'll find out how great AirPods are, and yeah, and you know, and, and it'll be yeah. done, and they'll be <laughs> yeah, and they'll be. It's done. just interesting to me that they made that decision. That's yes, all. yeah. No, um, I agree with you. My other observations about the slate: I've spent very little time with it compared to you, but I felt it was too heavy. Um, the slate with the keyboard together, like you know, case keyboards combo, uh, felt heavier than my Pixel Book. Mm-hmm. Or my MacBook 12 inch, which surprised me because I'm like, it's a tablet. Like it, it seems heavier as a tablet than um than an iPad Pro 12 inch to me. It's uh yeah, I mean it. I I didn't have an iPad Pro 12 inch with me to sort of compare them. Um, I think what what I can say is that the balancing of the weight on the Pixel Slate is has been really nicely done, and that's something else they were talking about. They decided that it's you know it's been evenly balanced across it, so there's no sort of heavy point you know if you hold it from the left side it's not kind of being weirdly weighted on the right side or vice versa and also they've 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 been very careful with the um uh the, the cooling side of it obviously it's fanless but you know there's the, the promise that i that they made to me was that there would be no kind of hot spots you know where all of a sudden you put your fingers and like you know, oh okay that's that's yeah. getting a bit toasty so my yeah. pixel book does get toasty sometimes yeah um so i know that i mean it's fanless and it manages to be fine even mm-hmm. in hot summer days. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we'll see. I, we'll, we'll all be getting review units. I'm a huge Chrome user. Um, I'm looking forward to 
changing maybe changing my mind right now i'm very skeptical i i i'm feeling like i need to cling on to my pixel book you know uh you will not take this out of my cold dead hands sort of thing um google home what is hub. it hub 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 what's what's your take on that one okay my first reaction was wow it's small it's funny, you know, that we'd seen the leaked renders and we, mm-hmm. you know, you saw it kind of on stage in, in, in the kind of the, the, the staged photos. And I was expecting something bigger, even with but a seven was, inch screen. I, I was delighted about how small it was. And after that kind of initial, I think that it's the cutest and most sort of instantly, you know, that kind likeable. of- Likeable. Oh, yeah, likeable. Yeah, it's that sort it's of- It's very likeable. It's the little actually- puppy of, of, of smart- displays compared it's to you well know, what else designed is i mean the nova ones look so edgy and like they're gonna cut you when you touch them yes um uh, yeah they do and, and this is gonna know, cuddle you when you touch it, it. will you know it, it's like it's, the panda yes of of home what are they called smart displays smart displays is, that's what i've been calling them i don't know if we really have a, a proper category for them because it's like a smart speaker with a touch screen but that's far too long we don't have time for that the climate change <laughs> is destroying the world that's um, right I, yeah, it's it will it is definitely it's the it is the smart display which will show you a cute video of puppies and then soak up your tears as you sob with happiness. It's that fabric cover is really nice and the colours are just you know <laughs> fabric. Yeah, will soak up your tears. I see what you did there, Chris. Thank you. Um, That's very good. Thank you very much. Um, I'll be here all week. You know, let, release the veil. Um, <laughs> I, it's you know they 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 have made them. It's been so, there is such a conscious effort that you can see there to make them appealing and unthreatening and charming and you know to make someone come into your home and be like oh what's that that's nice you know rather than this sort of menacing obelisk of I have all the data in the world and a, a mean voiced AI to help you with it it's like it's it's very the it's the anti Hall nine thousand yeah it is it's like it's. It, it's Hall 9000. It's you know, like very Chumby-ish. Do you remember Chumby? I do remember Chumby, yes. Chum- it's like Chumby. It's yes. like clothy and rounded corners mm-hmm. and soft and cuddly. If the screen could be furry, it would be furry. It would absolutely be furry. Yeah. And uh, and I think it's it, they've made some really interesting decisions there, you know, even to the, to the point where, you know, they sacrifice functionality. You know, th- there's no camera, which... And I think that's know. really smart in this day and age. I do. Yeah. One inch, like, I think that... My favorite Amazon product is the small uh, display one. Yeah, What's it spot. called? The Spot, right? Yes. I love, I love that this around display too is really fantastic. And mm-hmm. that does not have a camera, does it? It does. Oh, it does. Damn yes. It. Yeah. So this is why you shouldn't have been showering in see, front of it. See, Jeff Bezos well, no, has been watching one, you. But I'm, so I really think that's really smart for Google. To at the pr- the price is really good to one forty nine. Yes, I think the price, the fact that there's a physical mute switch on the back, mm-hmm. so you can turn off the mic, and there's no camera. To me, all those things combined, and the cute design, and the fact that it has a screen which can be really be useful. Sometimes when you're talking to the AI, to Google Assistant, I love my Google Assistant. She's so freaking smart. She knows so mm-hmm. much about me and makes my life so much better. And I sometimes wish she could display something on on a dis- on on an ambient display for me rather than on my phone, and so this is going to be awesome for that. Yeah, and I and I'm kind of pleased to see that you know Google is doing it. Amazon with the, the recently you know the second gen Echo Show and the software update that they're going to push out to the kind of the existing Echo Show is you know th- this idea of having well okay there are times when you just want an on screen button you know if I'm controlling my smart lights maybe I don't want to say or teach my guests how to say you know. 
uh, hey Google, you know, let's uh, turn on the turn on lights in the living room or turn on light um, fixture two and turn on light fixture three. You know, I just want to be able to be like tap tap tap. These yeah, are the lights they're totally. on. And now you triggered everybody's uh, uh, phones on the podcast. Yes, Thank you, Chris. You're no, no, this is awesome. Like yeah. they're gonna love it. Uh, and but no, I see your point, and and I think I'm actually really excited about this product. Um, strangely, and I really think that they made all the right calls. Um, I think Amazon should make one without a camera. I'd like to see that too. At a yeah. reduced price, like a spot that's cheaper. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, Facebook obviously. Uh, <laughs> who's going to trust Facebook with that thing? By Do the you know, way, what was it called again? The Facebook portal. And I have to say, I mean, <laughs> I I totally get you. I, it was it was the perfectly wrong time for Facebook to launch, uh, you know, a, an attempt to get a camera into your <laughs> house. Know. But that thing, it, so I went to a pre-briefing for that and sat down with some of the people in the uh, on the, the Facebook team who had kind of developed it and the software and the hardware. And the hardware, let me tell you, it's 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 really nicely done, particularly the larger one, the P Portal Plus with that rotating screen. It, I'm mm -hmm. a sucker for a kind of a damped swinging mechanism and Ooh, that, that has yes, a really yes. nice swinging mechanism. And then they they did they run through the AR stories, which is basically you know on one side um, you have a, a script. It works like a teleprompter basically, and on the other side it shows like a, a children's story. So it was you know like the Three Little Pigs, for instance. Uh -huh. And then it overlays you know the person telling the story. You can see their face at different parts of it. You know, so you can be a, you at one point you're a pig, and at another point you know you're the big bad wolf, oh, and it I overlays yeah, onto yeah, your yeah. face, and you know, and, and and does all the graphics and everything, and it and the sound effects and we had a room, well, two rooms, because I was chatting with someone on, the, on, on another portal on another room. Two rooms of adults roaring with laughter. It was <laughs> hilarious. You know, j just, you know, people pretending to be the wolf and trying to outdo each other, you know, on how ridiculous could this wolf be. And I don't know if the, the Facebook team had been drinking. I know I hadn't, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. And they've said that, you know, publishers have been very upbeat about it and also you know they're looking at kind of bringing in more um titles aimed at adults i don't want to say adults titles because that's a different type of video call but um titles sort of ar titles aimed at adults to kind of do this because it's it's good fun you know, and then i kind I, of run up against the fact that it's good fun but it's also facebook exactly so that's my point it's like i'm sure the hardware and the software is awesome i know mm -hmm. who worked on the software itai fonchak uh used to work with me at pebble he's mm -hmm. one of the folks on that team i believe uh and and i'm like you know if it wasn't associated with Facebook, it would be such an easier pill to swallow. If this was a Google product or an Amazon product, yeah, you know, and it, I think it would fly much better. It would. Um, and yeah. Anyway, so I'm 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 excited about the the Google Home Hub, and uh, you know, there's a bunch of integrations with third parties, which seem to be a little beyond the Nest stuff, which I think Google is still very weak on. I actually have Amazon Echoes in most of my rooms to mm -hmm. control my smart home, and I use uh, I have you know, Google Homes in most of my rooms to, to talk to my assistant. It's mm -hmm. kind of like the, I have like this kind of dual lifestyle of assistants because one does my home automation and the other one does everything else. So. Well, nobody has just one butler, do they? I mean, you always no, have to have, not. you know, if, if you're this going to have Silicon a staff, Valley, yeah, you need, you need many more. Um, another thing I wanted to briefly talk about before we quickly negotiate some quick news items mm -hmm. are, the fact that the Pixel 3 and 3 XL have wireless charging and now have a stand, the Pixel stand, yes, that uh, you can use to charge them wirelessly, and it's a nice integration. It actually uh, turns your turns your Pixel into essentially a mini uh, Google Home Hub while yes. it's docked. 
So you can use, and, and the, supposedly the audio, the speakers are really good. I haven't tested them yet, but uh, it means that you can have a, you know, pretty, pretty much use it as like a, a Google, you know, Google Home Hub, a display-based uh, Google Home speaker while it's docked and charging. Interesting kind of I think idea. it's, a, yeah, it's a really clever idea. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. the kind of thing where you're like, well, okay, they, they should all do this. And there have been other other smart docks, you know, which have, you know, which will turn into a, you know, a different kind of mode, you know, depending on. Um, For sure, yeah. yeah. But, but I think, I think this, this is this... going to be done probably better than anything else. Yes. And I think it comes yeah. back to what we were talking about before, you know, that it is Google doing it with Google's own software and Google designed hardware. You know, it, Vertically it's integrated. Look at what Apple does. It's, it's it works. It's all about your ecosystem. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you got, I think we can talk about this, the Razer Phone 2. We can talk about this. We can talk, you got yes. briefed. Give us a very quick, because we have to wrap up the podcast. Give us a very quick kind of like, what's your thought on this? It seems like an updated version of last year's Razer, basically, right? Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that's a really really good strategy for them you know the, the original razor phone it was this device that wasn't going to necessarily win any aesthetic rewards unless you really like black obelisks which some people do and i'm not <laughs> judging you um but you know there are a couple of kind of criticisms about it. it didn't have wireless charging it wasn't waterproof that kind of thing and what they've basically done is they've taken everything that people really liked about the first one so you still get the kind of the cutting edge processor in this case snapdragon 845 you still get plenty of ram um you know you still get the beautiful screen which is 120 hertz not only touch like the iphone 10s but also refresh rate which is still unique right right um in the us at least um and then they've kind of fixed the the complaints that people had. So it has wireless charging now. Um, it, so is it a glass back? Then? It's a glass back. Um, oh. It's wireless charging. Um, they they're making a I think a fifteen watt wireless charger. Um, uh, and, and it has a glow in the dark logo. It has a glow in the logo. So the logo <laughs> actually it's it's this the it's Razer Chroma system which they have on oh, all yeah, of their yeah. gaming um, keyboards and mice and things and. You can set it to flash in different colors depending on different notifications. So, you know, if you have a, a work email come in, for instance, that could be red. If you have someone mentioning you on Twitter, that could be blue. You know, if a certain person contacts you on the phone, that might be um, puce. I don't know. Um, it's uh, it, so it's it's you know it's interesting and also the um that they have a wireless charger which can hold the phone kind of upright or flat and the base of that will flash as well in different colors so it's Ooh. it's just you know they've they've done a kind of a good job of taking what people liked about the original phone which and is and improving it and you know it's it's much louder it's you know this but it doesn't distort you know the sound's much better the screen is even still great. better wow it was already pretty damn great it's you know I, I, I was sat there and they they brought out a um, a sound meter and recorded 96 decibels from it in the meeting room that I was in. Wow. And yeah. And, but I mean, more importantly, it wasn't just the volume, but it was the fact that there was, there was no distortion there. It was, you know, it, it was, was perfect. Yeah. Clear. It, um, huh. Yeah. So is, yeah. Is the camera any better? Because that was a bit of a, a sore spot last year, right? Yeah. Dual cameras on the back, 12, both 12 megapixels. One of them is a regular one. The other's two times optical um, zoom. Uh, Are they both stabilized? Uh, only the regular one, I believe, is is optically stabilized. Otherwise, it's digital. You know, they keep doing that. Uh, yeah. HTC 12, mm-hmm. V40, non-stabilized telephoto. If there's one lens to stabilize, it's your telephoto, okay? Yeah, you would think, like, wouldn't you? Weird, it's, weird, weird. It is. Oh, wow. But generally, I mean, I think, and it's $799 unlocked, which is $100 more than the original Razer phone. But I feel like in comparison you to... Know, for a gaming phone with a display like that? Yeah. I you think know, it's a reasonable... I kind of feel like it's wasted on just gamers. 
personally. I, I don't, yeah, yeah. I'm not a gamer totally. myself, but you know, I, I, you know, if I was interested in having the cutting edge hardware with a, an amazing screen, a phone that, you know, you didn't need to pair it up to a Bluetooth speaker to fill a hotel room with music, you know, it's, it's just, it's a kind of very, it's, it's an all in one little powerhouse. And I was really impressed with it. Cool. Well, I'll post your link, the link to your hands-on in the show notes. Um, there are a few po- topics I wanted to kind of touch on really quickly because they're kind of interesting things mm-hmm. and they're getting lost in the brouhaha because October is such a crazy month for announcements. It's um, the brouhaha month. It's the brouhaha month when it comes to smartphones. Uh, Galaxy A9 with four rear cameras. We need more cameras. I know. It's it's kind of amazing to me that this is the, the mid-range line of the <laughs> Samsung and it's kind of beating the high-end uh, Galaxy S and Galaxy Note series in terms of camera count. And and in, it's kind of like also, I think, giving Huawei the middle finger a little mm-hmm. bit here on a mid-range phone. It's really interesting to me that it has four cameras. One is a wide angle, one is a regular, one is a, an op, uh, uh, optically zoomed, um, you know, tele. Mm-hmm. But the fourth, the, the fourth one is completely unnecessary. It's for depth. Like, why don't you use one or the other two for depth? And here's, so here's my cynical thinking, that it's cheaper to get for and accommodate for sort of mid-range, more affordable sensors and lenses than it is to get th- two or three good sensors and lenses that can kind of do multiple things that you know You're that those four are doing completely right <laughs> maybe i'm being cynical there but um i i kind of feel like you know if they can afford to do it on an a series phone something has to give yeah absolutely uh but let's you know i'll put a link uh, mm-hmm. to a slash gear story I, th- I think it's interesting to f- i think the a series is a bit underrated i think it's they're, they're pretty cool phones they are we don't get many of them in the u.s but if you're problem. in europe you're already well familiar with them so yeah um andy rubin is talking about making another smartphone and that yeah. it would be able to automatically reply to text messages for you using AI. That's what I got the gist of it. You wrote that story. So you want to give us like the 30 second rundown? So this is um, uh, Bloomberg with the scoop. Um, uh, Mark over there, who, you know, is obviously a leak powerhouse. Um, of course. And what he has heard from sources uh, close to Essential is that um, they're working on, you know, they scrapped the Essential Phone 2. Um, right. Sales of the original were dire. Um, of course. The, the home smart home device has kind of been put on hold at the moment, which is probably not a bad idea. And now they're looking at, well, okay, what can we do which is different, which will help us stand out rather than just fire sales and Amazon. And <laughs> um, and I think you know, and so this idea that apparently they they ha- they have had is, well, how about if we have a phone which does have a screen, but it's a smaller screen, and instead it will use AI to kind of try and do more things proactively for you. So in you know making phone calls and appointments for you replying to text messages sounding like you which is an interesting one you know because obviously there are services you know if you turn on do not disturb while driving on your iPhone and someone sends you a text message it will reply and say you know this person is driving at the moment and can't reply but it doesn't really pretend to be you it pretends to kind of just be the phone being a helpful co-pilot so i think there's there's an interesting idea of there will okay just how close can it get and you know do we want our phones to kind of enter that uncanny valley of this is this me is this chris is this chris's phone and then you know and can we trust the ais to kind of just be you know functional enough you know if you, anyone with a smart speaker knows the the kind of the annoyance of asking it to do something and getting a completely different response or mm, asking sure. it to do something and that you know it can do and it say oh i don't think i can do that right now it's do you really want to be interacting with your phone with that on an everyday basis and a lot you know 
I think it's interesting. I think Andy Rubin is very clever and the team he has over at Essential is very, very clever. Absolutely. Certainly. I, um, I, I think a lot of it will come down to form factor. Um, you know, and what you know, that they're billing it as far as I can tell, as far as Mark's report was saying, is it's kind of like it would be a companion device for someone maybe wanting to marginalize their smartphone a little more, you know, not always be addicted to it. Yeah, I mean, as like a weekend or night going out of, on the town kind of device, yeah, maybe, or or even if they can do it in some sort of you know, if it was an ear based form factor, I think that you know, oh, there is an awful okay. lot of interesting sort of work that could be done there that you know we started to kind of see with motorola doing with i can't remember the name of the product now, oh yeah, the, um, yeah i remember the earbud thing. one which was supposed to kind of also be an assistant and just didn't it's, it's really like do her it. right <laughs> yeah and I, I and and i think that that could be really interesting um but i think it will depend on an awful lot of factors which will be difficult to do and you know which we have seen even you know, big companies like Google and Duplex, you know, trying to get that to work and try and be consistent. And even when that launches, it will only be able to talk to a handful of restaurants in a handful of locations. And Essential is exponentially smaller than than Google Absolutely. is or Apple is. Yeah. I mean, I wish them luck. I'm, you know, fond of what Andy Rubin has been able to do. I, Absolutely. Essential was, uh, had lots of flaws, but was really quite a lovely phone. It was charming. In its very own special way. Yes. Um, And I've, only fond memories of using it as a reviewer. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, I want to bring up one last thing in the topics because it's kind of cool. You know, I love DIY, like mm-hmm. Arduinos and Maker and Raspberry Pi things. And there's this kid in Croatia. I was actually speaking at a conference in Croatia in January, and uh, I met him there. Huh. He made a uh, tiny little 8-bit game console burst built around an Arduino called the Maker Buino. Mm-hmm. And he gave me one to play with. It's really great. Uh, and he, the same the same person has just launched, uh, so a year later now, has just launched the Maker Phone, which is basically a DIY phone. You can either buy in kit form or pre-built. It's just a dumb phone. Well, it does have, you know, a, a color screen, but it's not a touch screen, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's, uh, you know, you can build your own phone, tinker with it, uh, or just use it as is. And it's just, uh, you know, uh, it looks like it might support some of the gaming features of the little mini console that he built uh, last year. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll link to an article uh, from Mashable that I found about this. And uh, at first I was like, oh, this is cool. It's another one of those DIY projects. But this kid, you know, know, he, he built this really great little console for really cheap um and so this is kind of like the next product from him and uh once i figured out it was him i was like oh yeah i need to i need to mention this so yeah i think it's 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 really interesting you know as a an example of where these really affordable computer boards like the arduino and other other devices kind of like it you know and this this idea of well okay if we give people access to a, a really really affordable chunk of compute which is really designed to be extensible as much as possible. What mm-hmm. are they going to come up with? And I mean, this is just $89 and you can yeah. build it yourself and so that you can use it as a basis for tinkering if you want. So And and not just, you know, this is okay, well, this is a guy who's made his own phone from an Arduino. This is a guy who's made not just a phone, but a business from it. And you know, reading that Mashable article that you sent, it's you know, it's a business that now apparently employs seven people. You know, it's, exactly. it, it's, this is not just like someone tinkering with, with something in their bedroom, which and not that there's anything wrong with tinkering in your bedroom, but you know, this is a, a full on business that is based on this kind of incredible low cost, affordable, relatively low compute, but still in, you know, so customizable and flexible product that, you know, I'm really, it kind of makes me very excited that we live in a time when people have access to things like that. 
Absolutely. Um, so I think we should wrap up. I just want to mention to everyone that, of course, Chris and I both have the all the Google device. Well, not the Slate or the Hub, but we do have the phones. And, you know, we will be having reviews and, and, and more thoughts on it out once once we're allowed to talk more about them. But in the meantime, you know, keep an eye on our various social media channels to see some photos taken with the phones. And uh, we'll definitely have a a, a lot more coverage about these devices coming up on the show in the next two three weeks um thanks for being on the show chris it's really nice to have you again it is always a pleasure and do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet yes uh, you can find me on twitter at c underscore davies um i write for slash gear um which is slash gear.com or uh, on twitter at slash gear um uh, or you can just find me in the street howling <laughs> that's true you're always in the Constantly streets howling just bawling Constantly. at the top of my voice yeah trying to attract it's, it's the wolves. amazing people yeah. have no idea they, re- they really uh, <laughs> don't <laughs> uh you know where to find me on the internet's uh folks i'm at tank girl that's tnkgrl like the comic book character tank girl but without the vowels uh, that's also the same handle that I have on uh, Instagram and you can find me on Facebook and on YouTube, youtube.com slash Miriam where you'll find a channel that complements this podcast with videos, hands-ons, unboxings, reviews. Subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, mobiletechpodcast.com is where you'll find the RSS feed. We're also on Google Podcast, uh, Apple Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Slacker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. So, Subscribe, tell your friends, and uh, I do also want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible Audible.com is the place where you go for audiobooks. If you love audiobooks, I really highly suggest you get a subscription. Uh, It's a great way to listen to books rather than having to read them if you can't um, read because maybe you're driving or maybe you're trying to fall asleep. Um, Fun stuff. Uh, Audible, there's a link in the show notes. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. If you uh, click through this link and sign up for Audible, you'll support the podcast, so we appreciate it. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll have more next week. And uh, Chris, thanks again for being on the show. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Cheers. Goodbye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.